she told me this incredible story. Men i kolodistan är väl att dessa kompisar för det är så det är så ofta ignorerat. It just took an open mind. Welcome to Think Awe. We look at incredible stories from a perspective of science and magic. Achieving the goals of magic through STEM. So this episode is about the broad goals of traditional magic and how modern STEM, that is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, attains or nearly attains these goals. And in many ways, kind of looks like magic. And as we go deeper, boundaries are blurred. What is science and tech versus magic versus consciousness? What can be conscious? What can heal? Can science learn from magic and magic learn from science and healing learn from all? From magic to STEM and STEM as magic and STEM revealing magic and magic revealing STEM and sorting this out in healing. Reading someone's mind, minds connected to each other, Minds controlling bodies of others, seeing someone else's visions, levitation, seeing into the future, inducing trances, mystical experiences, subjective psychic experiences, conjuring beasts made from parts of different species, animals, microbes, men, regenerating limbs, uh, causing eyes to form in other parts of the body. These are things traditionally of magic, but now there's technology that brings all of these to in some cases people in labs only but soon to us at 16 i was doing some meditation exploration without guidance or knowledge of examples other than i'd heard of transcendental meditation and people controlling their heart rates one summer evening in a remote part of virginia as my girlfriend listened with her head on my chest i stopped breathing and my heart stopped for several seconds I was having a euphoric connection with the universe. Was it an NDE, a near-death experience? It felt bliss. That is until she freaked out. Don't ever do that again. fall, my best friend introduced me to a couple in their 30s who had recently moved to this remote area of Virginia to build a pyramid in the woods for metaphysical purposes. They asked about my meditation, uh, which modality I used, mainly visual, the direction, inward. Then they guessed. They guessed the sequence of what I saw on my journeys to Gnosis. They also warned against dangers if not done properly. I had so many other things going on in my life. I decided to put this meditation stuff aside. Later we'll take a deeper look at the meditation heart connection and meditation in healing. My meditation was very visual and it was as if the pyramid couple 
read my mind as they described what I commonly saw for an inward journey. And now there are technologies that can read minds. Published in Nature Scientific Reports, 7th of January, 2022, authored by Thrizza Dado and team from Roodboud University in the Netherlands, entitled Hyperrealistic Neural Decoding for Reconstructing Faces from FMRI Activations via a GAN Latent Space. And what this means is being able to decode what's going on in the brain for people looking at faces and then reconstruct faces using a neural net. The article claims that this attempt has achieved, quote, the most accurate reconstructions of perception to date, unquote. And others have described this as uh, having startling results from an experiment where they showed pictures of faces to volunteers, to volunteers, inside a powerful brain-reading fMRI scanner. So, like others who've done this before them, they used a BCI and a GAN, that is a brain-computer interface and a generative adversarial network uh, type of neural net to generate the hyper-realistic images of people's faces in a similar category as the image shown to each respective subject. So what if you wanted to try this? Um, what would you need? Well, in their experiment, they used an fMRI scanner, which is a massively, it's a massive instrument. It's huge. You take, it takes up a lot of room and it's massively expensive. So got a few million dollars. Well, if not, uh, there's an alternative. The development of this technology intersected with my life a few years ago. I was working on liquid crystal and silicon technology for holographic uh, AR and projection displays when it occurred to me that similar technology could be useful for brain scanning. I then discovered Open Water's Mary Lou Jepsen was just starting to talk about doing the same thing. Uh, she was working on brain scan devices using IR, that's infrared, spectral absorption differences depending on blood oxygenation as a function of activity level at each location in brain volume. This is what functional near-infrared spectroscopy, also known as FNIRS, does. I designed a very inexpensive, simple FNIRS device. Meanwhile, I was checking the FNIRS group on Facebook, and someone posted that they had just gotten an FNIRS system and wanted suggestions of what to study. I suggested checking brain connectivity during mystical experiences versus otherwise to see what the relatively inexpensive technology could glean versus that expensive fMRI scanner. For example, Robin Carhart-Harris and team had already done studies of neural correlates of the psychedelic state as determined by fMRI studies with psilocybin. That was done a few years ago. So anyway, this person with the FNIRS device thanked me for the suggestion. And the result? FNIRS detects states of consciousness, mystical experiences. This has been published as effects of psilocybin on functional connectivity measured with FNIRS. 
Insights from a Single Subject Pilot Study. So this was published November 28, 2019, co-authored by Felix Schultman, Lisa Holper, Katrin Praler, Franz Vollenveder, all from the Department of Neonatology Biomedical Optics Research Laboratory in the University of Zurich, Switzerland. Here's a quote from the article. This study demonstrates that FNIRS is able to detect psilocybin-induced changes in resting state FC. The results of this initial single-subject pilot study are promising and it warrants repetition with a larger number of subjects and an improved extended FNIRS setup. We anticipate that FNIRS neuroimaging will play an important role in future studies investigating the neurophysiological effects of psychedelic substances in humans. So basically, they tried out what I suggested. They had what they call a pilot study. So it's just an initial thing just to see, does it look like this is going to give us anything useful? So they used a single person. They scanned their brains. They looked at the images on a computer that showed essentially the activity of the brain based on the blood oxygenation in various regions. And they found there was indeed patterns that were unique to brain activity for someone who was experiencing a mystical experience or essentially tripping on psilocybin. That pattern was uniquely different from brain patterns while not on psilocybin. So the conclusion is you can use FNIRS for determining the state of someone's mind. And that includes having mystical experiences and altered states of consciousness. In other words, instead of needing millions of dollars, or at least over a million dollars, to have an fMRI scanner device, you can use an FNIRS device to do similar stuff, to read someone's mind. Not only is there tech for reading minds with brain-computer interfaces, but brain-computer interfaces can be used to control minds and bodies of people. Voodoo tech. University of Washington. Scientists control one person's body with another person's brain. University of Washington computational neuroscientist Rajesh Rao wore an electroencephalography cap as he watched a simple computer game, firing a cannon at a target. At the right moment, Dr. Rao imagined moving his right hand to hit the fire button, being sure not to actually move his hand. Across campus, Professor Andrea Stocco wore a cap holding a transcranial magnet stimulation coil, which sits on the scalp and stimulates muscle control regions of the brain with a magnetic impulse. Dr. Stocco's finger hit the fire button on Dr. Rao's command. This is from an article from 10 years ago, and the technology has progressed almost exponentially since then. Ududal Avatar.
Google and Facebook have gathered so much data about you and your habits that the corporation can simulate what Tristan Harris, a former Google design ethicist, calls a little voodoo doll, avatar-like version of people in order to predict which ads they might click or products they might buy. The tech is ripe for hackers to stick needles in the doll. Cyborgs. This falls under the category of brain prosthetic interface. There's a thing called an optrode. So this is an optrode-based technology. And it is because how many neural connections does a man or woman need to operate a hand with a degree of finesse. So Professor Francois Radossier with UNSW, that's the Sydney School of Electrical Engineering and Telecommunications, <clears throat> says that you can pick up an object, you can pick up an object that you can judge the friction, you can apply just the right pressure to hold it, you can move from A to B with precision. The answer is not so obvious. We had to search quite a bit in the literature, but we believe it's about 5,000 to 10,000 connections. So that sensors built using liquid crystal and integrated optics technologies dubbed optrodes can register nerve impulses in a living animal body. Levitation, Aladdin's Carpet, Hoverboard. The Omni Hoverboard is the first propeller-based aeronautical vehicle for a free-standing pilot. And you can see demos online. There's video showing this. There's also the Acroboard. The Acroboard is a machine lifted by 32 high-power electric docked fans with a maximum thrust of 200 kilograms force, which is 430 pounds. It has a built-in stabilization unit, meaning that the Acroboard is stable in any condition and is a very safe platform to fly on. This is a quote from their website. You will be able to use your phone to, for control and navigation of the vehicle itself. Or you can just steer it with your body. Crystal ball. Well, if you look at deep learning, the basis of modern AI, it's kind of taken over a lot of the prediction stuff. There's, of course, physics and a lot of the classical Science disciplines use mathematical models for differential equation or numerical analysis type or closed form solutions to the problem of predicting things like projectiles, predicting chemical reactions, perception, communication error rates, longevity, spread of disease, mechanical durability, relationship duration, all kinds of things. Now, AI can predict weather, the economy, stock market, and looking at top applications, demographic and election predictions is number 19 of top applications of deep learning across industries. That's according to MyGreatLearning.com blog, Deep Learning Applications. Mediumship. 
talking to spirits. The cell phone, if you want to, if you're interested in this topic, look at the soulphonefoundation.org. Here's a quote from their website. What would it mean if you could communicate with departed loved ones and learn from scientists, great teachers, and others who have passed on, but definitely not passed away? That may sound impossible, but it's not. So you can check out their website on that one. Conjuring Frankenstein. Chimera. So in magic, chimera are these mystical beings that are made out of different species, like different types of animals or that kind of thing. Traditionally, they could be conjured. That means basically you summon them from mystical spaces, from the cosmos, from alternate dimensions. Anyway, that's the traditional magic perspective. But now, this is kind of routine on the cellular level, meaning typical bioengineered cell-producing antibodies, as in fluorescent dyes for fluorescence microscopy, use this. For example, Henrietta Lacks's uterine cervix's malignant tumor removed in 1952 still lives on today in the HELA cell line used for molecular biology research and drug discovery. So just making those fluorescent dyes that are used to track proteins and other metabolites within the cells, which is kind of a mainstream way to see what's going on in cells these days. To make those dyes requires a little Frankenstein cell type that's mass produced in order to crank out these dyes. So immunofluorescent microscopy relies on fluorescent dyes that are made from attaching a fluorescent protein to a monoclonal antibody made from a hybridoma. Well, what's a hybridoma? And what are these antibodies? Okay, so hybridomas are hybrid cells made by fusing antibody-producing antibodies. It's like, you know, your body will produce to combat a virus, for example. So hybridomas are hybrid cells made by fusing antibody-producing type white blood cells, B lymphocytes to be more specific, with bone marrow cancer cells, myeloma cells. So why do they do that? Well, the fusion is needed because the antibody-producing white blood cells have a relatively short lifespan, but cancer is immortal. So we're dealing with immortality here. Another magical concept. Cancer is immortal. And if it's in us, it takes over and makes us increasingly mortal. So this results in an immortal chimera, a thing of magic and myth come to life via applied STEM. And now we have probably thousands, of, maybe hundreds of thousands of different types, different types of chimera, and they're being mass produced. A thing of magic and myth come to life 
In 2016, the Craig Venter Institute created artificial Frankenstein cells from combined parts of other cells and a curated minimal set of genes. They were producing daughter cells of bizarre shapes and sizes. Bizarre shapes and sizes. But of course, single-celled organisms are not the only things that have been conjured, the things that have been forced into being through science. Next we have... Biomorphological creations. The emergence of consciousness. At Tufts University, Dr. Michael Levin's group uses bioelectric coaxing of local cell groups to create xenobots. Eyes and stomachs of frogs, limbs grown on demand, or regenerating limbs. Consciousness. Once information, including memory, experience, perception, cognition, is shared with specific completeness, multicellular consciousness occurs. <laughs> This idea is one shared by others such as Yosha Bach and Mei Wan Ho, who wrote The Rainbow and the Worm, in which acupuncture points along triple helix collagen fibers with excellent electrical conductivity result in a neural network of sorts with memory, essentially giving rise to a somatic consciousness. Your body basically has memory and its own consciousness. This idea of having memory communication and some type of learning through either correlation, convolution, or that type of thing, essentially learning through updates of connectivity, also mathematically known as uh, factors or weights. This idea came to me in the 1980s. In the first or second year after getting my bachelor's, I worked in the World Trade Center for ADT, American District Telegraph, designing their universal alarm communication unit that could receive the mainstream signal types of the day, including alarm signals of our competitors after I hacked their systems. One day, sitting at my desk on the 91st floor of the World Trade Center number one, I was developing an algorithm for recovering a very weak signal out of terrible noise, pushing the limits of what correlation, a type of mathematical similarity measurement used for detection, could do. I got the idea of connecting correlators to support hierarchical detection and then immediately realized that connecting linear correlators with nonlinear connecting functions in between could mimic how we think. That's essentially a type of neural net for deep learning and similar to the basis of consciousness that has been described earlier. Now, my job uses neural nets with convolutional and activation layers that essentially do the same thing. They are applied to analyzing images from fluorescence microscopy and all kinds of other images. The fluorescence microscopy analysis has been automated for high volumes of images known as high content analysis. High content analysis is key to much of modern molecular biology and important for drug discovery. 
as HCA, that's high content analysis, as HCA accelerates, drug discovery accelerates, leading to new drugs. Let's look at the use of medicinal drugs, most developed with a significant STEM undertaking, and compare them to traditional esoteric and folk healing. Healing. A young English physician, William Withering, had a couple of patients with severe edema. One of his patients had to sit up straight all night and day just to breathe because his edema was so severe. Otherwise, the fluids in his lungs and the fluids throughout his body would just overwhelm him. And back then, doctors were using methods that were not very effective. According to the book entitled Bloodletting Instruments in the National Museum of History and Technology by Audrey Davis and Toby Apple, bloodletting, that is, letting people bleed or have them bleed or have other ways to get blood out of your body, was used for pulmonary edema, which is what Dr. William Withering's patients that had the fluid in their lungs were suffering from. And so that didn't seem to be helping very much. At least one or more of his patients ended up getting treatment from folk healers, and that helped. That helped their edema. Dr. Withering sees, you know, his patients are doing better by some other method, and he gets curious, well, what is this other method? So he goes and talks to some of the folk healers, and he compares their recipes, and their recipes are different. They have different types of plant materials or whatever. But one of the things that he finds that they have in common is foxglove. Follow-on efforts are made to isolate what is a chemical in foxglove that helps, and it's dubbed nigoxin. This was the beginning of the medical profession's drug approach to controlling heart-related function. And now, to return to stopping the heart, what about stopping the heart in the medical profession? Well, some very serious medical procedures require the heart-lung bypass machine and if you need this, you'll be given a medicine to stop your heart once you've, you're connected to the heart-lung bypass machine. If the heart needs to be stopped to be still for surgery, etc., cold solution is run through it. Neuromuscular blockade is employed during CPB to facilitate surgical operating conditions. Hypothermia directly reduces muscle strength up to 10% per degree Celsius and enhances NMBA action. However, additional NMBA is typically required during rewarming. So the NMBA is the neuromuscular blockade drug, basically. Yeah, so in effect, um, there's a combination of a drug and chill in your heart. Just chill, man. If it chills, it will not pump or it will be very weak and it'll be so weak it's almost like it's not pumping. So that's how modern medicine stops hearts. Certain heart medicines, such as Digitalis from Foxglove, can slow conduction in the impulse of the atria to the ventricles and cause first-degree AV block. But the neuromuscular blockade that I was just talking about earlier, people don't use Digitalis for that. Since Foxglove, another drug was discovered that was used as a muscle relaxant. Tubacurine is used in surgical practice as a muscle relaxant. Curare, also called D-tubacurare, was the first paralytic used in anesthesia. 
It was traditionally used in South America for poison arrows for hunting. It is harvested from the bush rope, also known as devil doer plant, the Latin name being Strychnos toxifera. These drugs, derived from plants originally, were useful for treatments, but they're really treating symptoms, not getting to the root cause. And to this day, most prescriptions are for treating symptoms only. At least 69% of US patients are taking drugs only for symptoms. The total number of patients with prescribed medication for blood pressure or cholesterol was about 33% of the US population. Pain or inflammation were the most frequent on the top 30 list. Here are the top 10 most prescribed drugs in terms of the number of prescriptions to patients in the United States in 2019 and the percentage of the population receiving them. Blood pressure, 19.4%. Antibiotic, 13.7%. Cholesterol, 13.6%. Pain, inflammation, 13.6%. Breathing, that would include things like for asthma or bronchitis, 11%. Thyroid, 6%. Stomach acid, 6%. Antidepressant, 5.7%. Diabetes, 5.3%. Diuretic, that's basically for treating edema, like the water pill, 4.9%. Seizures, 3%. Yeah, let's look at each one of those in terms of alternate treatments and what the science shows in terms of studies of alternate, like in, if you're gonna treat that, and most of those are, are symptoms, right? You're, you take, when I say it's a treat, treatment of a symptom, it's not curing, meaning you take the drug and it improves the condition in terms of like blood pressure goes down. You stop taking the drug, the blood pressure goes back up. So it didn't cure the problem. It, as a way to manage the problem. So let's look at diet now. Let's just start with one paper recently published in American Journal of Lifestyle Med in 2021, the July-August edition. It was in an article entitled Protocol and Preliminary Results of the Nutritarian Women's Health Study, a Longitudinal Effectiveness Implementation Hybrid Study Assessing Dietary Intake and Health Outcomes. And here's a quote from it. Micronutrient-dense plant-rich dietary patterns, similar to the nutritarian diet pattern described in this study, have been shown to be safe and effective in clinical applications and are positively associated with weight reduction, lipid management, glycemic control in diabetes, inflammation reduction, perceptions of hunger, reduction in depressive symptoms, and improvement in well-being, reducing the risk of developing cancer, and overall health and longevity. And then there's your state of consciousness, meditation, intention, that kind of thing. And we have a bunch of studies. 30% of patients achieved target blood pressure in a study that used meditation only to manage blood pressure. And that was a period of, uh, I believe it was a few weeks. Potentially, there could be a higher percentage of patients especially if they change lifestyle, because we already know diet and exercise, uh, stress management, all those kinds of things, meditation is part of that, could have a huge impact. And then there's, like, with diet, there's nutrition. So even with an antibiotic, which is number two in the list, 
Epidemiological studies find that those who are poorly nourished are at greater risk of bacterial, viral, and other infections. And it turns out that most Americans are nutritionally deficient. Cholesterol. Psychological stress was a risk factor for lipid disorders and suitable physical activity was protective in this situation. A study showed recently, most of us already probably have heard of this, but just to kind of underscore the point, pain and inflammation. Inflammation treated through meditation may lead to a reduced risk of inflammation-related diseases. This is from a paper entitled, What is the Molecular Signature of Mind-Body Interventions? A Systematic Review of Gene Expression Changes Induced by Meditation and Related Practices. Breathing. So issues with breathing. Meditation for Asthma, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, in which, let's see, this paper is basically saying, uh, this is uh, an NIH.gov cited paper. Some evidence that meditation is beneficial, <laughs> but need more data. Okay, so that's, that's the beginning. Thyroid. Treatment of stress through meditation is a way to improve this. Low-stress exploratory behavior work correlated with peripheral TH, that's thyroid hormone. So a way to treat a thyroid condition using meditation. Stomach acid. Uh, food stress relief via placebo and meditation. This was a... Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> Antidepressants. Lifestyle, nutrition, meditation. So... Placebos, meditation, and guided journeys, all including including the psychedelics, with or without, you can be with drums or without aid, all help. Uh, many references on that. Diabetes, many references on dietary related. Dr. Joel Furman's super immunity, uh, some Cochrane Institute research papers uh, cited for that. Um, a whole bunch of papers. There's there's a lot of refer there are a lot of references for that. Diuretic, taken for a high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, other causes of edema. And diet can help with that. There are all kinds of dietary or foods that are diuretic and teas and so forth. Um, depends on the severity. Seizures. There are a number of references that go into that, but that brings up an interesting topic, though, for seizures, because the methods for the meditation, like the guided journeys and so forth, that do not use psychedelic drugs directly, but use drums or other rhythmic types of patterns. There are binaural beats, other things, that, especially if they're using a frequency that's on the order of between 180 and 220 beats per minute, or even some harmonica that the common rhythm for hypnosis with a, a shiny object on a pendulum may be half of that frequency but in terms of the stimulus to the brain it's up down up down up down so that's it ends up being the same approximately the same frequency dancing is also another method for getting in the trance state and typically the dancing rhythm coincides with the rhythm for the drumming and also the rhythm for music that can cause seizures or also cause trance states and the rhythm of flashing lights for example from video or from other sources that can cause photosensitive epilepsy 
seizures. All these things have in common the epileptic triggers. So drumming, flashing lights, these have been determined to be triggers potentially for epilepsy, which can cause seizures. So it's sort of an interesting coincidence maybe, or not, that this is also where you get into a trance which has benefits. It's also interesting that many of the experiences of people with seizures include having extra perceptual memories of paranormal types. Placebo. Placebos have been shown to produce measurable physiological changes such as an increase in heart rate and or blood pressure or decrease. However, illnesses that rely on self-reporting of symptoms for measurement are most strongly influenced by placebos, such as depression, anxiety, irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, and chronic pain. Meditation has been shown to do the same thing. So now, I think it's clear, it's clear that it's not clear. The boundaries have been blurred. What is science and tech and magic and consciousness and healing and what comes from each one? There's an interrelationship. I think we can learn from all the above. And I hope you have. I have in the process of researching all this. Well, that does it for today's episode of Think Awe. Today's episode was brought to you by Debone.com. Uh, all the music is from Debone.com. Check out Debone.com if you're at all interested in any of that. And remember, think awe. Thank you.